The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, The Athletic's podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. I promise we'll get to Gerrard's first week in charge and his opening match against Brighton, but let's start with the best news of all. Holly the Hex needs a new nickname because Villa won a football match at the weekend, Holly. Hallucinating Holly, I imagine. <laughs> happy Holly. Um, oh, it happy was... Holly, that probably works better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was very happy for multiple reasons that there was finally a win since joining the podcast. Villa women beat Birmingham City 1-0 and I don't know if either of you were able to watch, but it was a very fun game. It wasn't quite as thrilling as the North London derby uh, the day before, but it was. Uh, it definitely kind of ticked all the boxes in my mind for a Good classic Villa Birmingham derby. Good times, always good to win at St Andrews. It seems like quite a, a on vogue result. One nil at St Andrews it seems to happen quite a lot. Less good news for Global Greg, Grumpy Greg, as well today because he's not feeling very well. But he did live up to his global name, tracking Matty Cash to Poland, where he made his international home debut. But unfortunately, it was a defeat. It didn't affect Poland's qualification hopes, although they must progress through the playoffs after England saw off San Marino in style to top Group B. Greg, back from your travels, how was it stalking Matty Cash's family? <laughs> It was good, Dan, thanks, yeah, but I've come back with a yet another cold. I, I just can't seem to get fit and healthy this year. I don't know what it is, whether, every, whether anybody else is suffering the same, but I do, I've had COVID, I've had colds, I've had all sorts. Um, I'm usually quite a fit and healthy boy, so yeah, but no, look, Poland was very good fun. Uh, spent a couple of days there, uh, did some interview, uh, did some press conferences with, with Matt Cash, and it was good to sort of, it was good actually to just see how another football association worked because I only really knew, you know, how English football works because I've not done much international football in my career. So um, it was good. It was good to go over there. I thought, thought Cash handled himself really well uh, throughout the week. Um, you know, it was, it was a big thing for him going there because of his family roots, you know, the, the, the Polish background, which you can read in the story, uh, I go into a lot more detail. But there was a lot of pressure on him because all eyes were on him. He came off the bench against Andorra and did well. He started in Warsaw, um, but, but Poland lost 2-1 to Hungary. Um, but this this meet-up with his new teammates was all, all about the bigger picture, really, and, and building, it, building him up for the playoffs, uh, which are to come. And yeah, I spent a little bit of time with his family, who were a really nice bunch, and you know it was a really proud moment for them too. And I think when you spend a bit of time with the family of a player, you realise just how much, um, you know, how, how many emotion, how much emotions they go through during and before a game. You often think that the players are out there, you know, and they're bulletproof almost, but there's a lot of nerves that go into it. And, you know, the, the, the family were quite nervous and quite anxious going into the game because they knew all the eyes would be on him. Um, but that he came off at, at half time. For those who didn't watch the game, might have thought that he played badly, but that wasn't necessarily the case. It was just a case of, Poland in general didn't do much going forward. Cash picked up a, a booking just before half time, and it kind of felt like it was easy for the manager to then take him off because he didn't want to risk getting, giving him another yellow card and sending him off, uh, and you know losing a man. So yeah, there'll be hopefully it'll be the start of many many appearances for him in a Poland shirt. Good to have another international villain in the ranks, isn't it, Holla? Yeah, definitely. I think it can only be a confidence booster, even if the results don't necessarily go um, the way they would want them to. 
you just get so much experience playing, you know, with new players under new management, um, even though it is just for a short period of time. So Matty Cash has been one of Villa's best players so far this season. And I genuinely believe that his international kind of uh, performances now will kind of boost him into that next level and make him an even more important player for Aston Villa. I noticed how me and you both call him Matty Cash. Greg spent a bit of time with the Cash family, and suddenly it's Matt Cash. Is there a reason for? Is there a reason for that? I'm sure you've called him Matty Cash in previous podcasts. Now it's suddenly it's Matt. I was wondering, I call him Matthew Cash. Now you spent a bit of time with his family. <laughs> Matthew, yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't recall him being called Matthew. I think that's only when he's in trouble. Um, yeah, I, I think he goes by Matty himself, and and some of his teammates have called him that over the years. I know, I know he's known as Casher. Uh, at, at Villa, so that's that's another one. But yeah, his parents call him Matt, so um, I kind of followed okay. on from that over the one last of the few family, days. one of the family. Greg, England did seal their qualification with a ten 0 win at San Marino, and one of the most pointless football matches I think I've ever seen in my life. But there was some good Villa news, Holly, because Tyro Mings scored his first England goal. Although we'd have preferred he save that kind of thing for Saturday against Brighton, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable goal uh, when he connected his head with the ball and it and it kind of flew into the back of the net. I was, I even said into the office out loud, what a goal that is. And I, it was probably one of my favourites of the nights. I think... You had a lot to choose from. Uh, well, yeah, that's what I was just quickly thinking about then, the fact that it was 10-0 and I just thought what a game, a pointless game it was. Um, I think Mings will hopefully come back, you know, with a lot more confidence. Like I said, it was an amazing goal. So hopefully he'll bring the kind of same energy and the, and the same kind of scoring ability into Brighton's game because we all kind of know it's an important game to win because, uh, you know, we'll be at risk of the relegation zone after that game. You, you get quite excited in the office, don't you, Holly? I've heard oh, some, some stories when oh, Villa no. have scored in the past. No, 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 no. You're outing me big time <laughs> here. It's more. not a good story. Oh, um... no, tell us more, Greg. <laughs> or Holly. This one's quite an this embarrassing one, I this think. This is bad. Uh, when Villa played Wolves, it was obviously a three o'clock kickoff, and so was listening to uh, the t- Tim Sherwood commentary on Gillette Soccer Saturday while juggling multiple different things on a new shift. And all I heard Tim Sherwood saying in the f- final moments of the game was was Aston Villa player names and no Wolves player names. I didn't hear him say, you know, who was stood over the ball. I just heard Villa player names. So I assumed the free kick in the dying stages of that match was in Aston Villa's favour and you can probably see where this is going all I heard was Tim Sherwood really really ecstatically just go goal and didn't say anything else in that first moment and I let out a pretty big cheer in the office and then uh, got some funny looks from from colleagues and realised it wasn't in Villa's favour so um, (laughs) it wasn't my (laughs) finest moment after the at the end of every game, like um, all the reporters have a conversation with with the editor who's who's working at the time, and Alex is our boss, and, and he phoned me up after the game. It was me and Tim Spears, the Wolves reporter, and T- Tim had the first conversation with with Alex, and then Alex, I had the second conversation with him, and he said, uh, he goes, "Oh, he, you should have seen what happened to Holly in the office. She was jumping around thinking Villa had just scored in the third, in the last minute." But it turned out to be the Wolves' goal. It was it was a really big. It was as though it was as though England had won the Euros. It was bad. It was so bad. <laughs> I mean, so far you've been on this podcast. You are with Villa men's team have lost every single game, and you've celebrated the winner, last minute winner from Wolves. It has not been a good time for you. My career's done. Yeah, are they going to do it this week? And they're going to get it right this weekend for you. Now the women have won. I think that's going to set us off on a little winning run. Now, 
John McGinn has had a good time because Scotland prevented Denmark from getting a perfect 10 with a sensational win at Hamden. And whilst everyone was in the land of nod, Emi Martinez got yet another clean sheet and Argentina joined Brazil in qualifying for Qatar 2022 after a 0-0 draw with the team I just mentioned. Right, Greg, let's talk about the big news then. Let's talk about Steven Gerrard. Before I come to you, Let's hear from Glasgow Rangers reporter Jordan Campbell. He was a guest on the Athletics Football Podcast on Tuesday with myself and Flo Lloyd-Hughes. So here's a little snippet of that. I think there's been that sort of snobbery towards Gerard, where it's all, well, he's an ex-English player, he's ignorant of tactics and thinks it's about, you know, uh, personality and passion. I, I don't think that... I think, if anything, he flies against those perceptions because... Rangers are not a team built on individuals, they're a team built on the system. The two games I would point to is the Porto away game and the Braga away game. Like It was almost like clockwork, their defensive shape. So I don't know whether they want to play the exact same shape because I don't think I don't think they're the sort of coaching team that are tied down to a specific thing. But I think they'll probably look to, it won't be far off, the 4-3-2-1 that they used. And at times it looked like teams just did not know how to, how to get around it. It was great to talk to Jordan earlier on in the week. Quite a Villa-centric podcast this week on the Athletic Football Podcast feed. So do go back and check that out if you haven't done so already. Subscribers can get it ad-free on the app, of course, but he's available in all the usual podcast outlets as well. If you're listening to this, I guess you do know how to get hold of it. So as I say, it's worth a listen and it's worth having a look at some of Jordan's pieces around Steve and Gerrard as well because they are very, very good. Greg? We did, I mean, I suppose we did speak about Gerard last week because we knew it was probably going to happen. But coming into the to the game at the weekend, how are you feeling about it now? I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited for the game. I think you know Villa Park's going to be obviously sold out again. I think the fans are really going to get behind him. And it's although Brighton have had a decent start to the season, it's a good game to have at home. I think it's one of those games that Villa will look at and think, yeah, you know. Really, we should be going and beating Brighton. And I think they'll fancy the chances. It'll be interesting to see what he does, you know, in terms of his formation, his team selection, whether he goes with a bit more experience, which captain he chooses, um, whether he does play with that 4-3-2-1 um, system that, that he used so, so often at Rangers. I mean, he kind of... I mean, it's virtually 4-3-3, but instead of having, instead of having wide players... In, in the in the three forward positions. He effectively plays with two number tens behind a striker. Don't know if Danny Ings will be fit, but maybe would that work well for Danny Ings and Emmy Buendia to play behind Ollie Watkins, you know, and then does that mean not working, uh, not uh, not including Leon Bailey? I don't know, you know, we'll have to wait and see. It's very, very early days in the Gerrard reign. He still hasn't got all of his players back, so he'll be getting those back tomorrow and having a closer look at some of the internationals. I think the first thing you'll be hoping for is that they all come through this international period unscathed. You know, Villa have had so much disruption, so many injuries this season. If they can just get a strong, strong squad together, fully fit squad. We, we all know how how um, how much of a chance they've got of, of them going and getting results. So yeah, to answer your question, I'm quite excited. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Gerard did his first interview with the club's media department. Let's listen back to the highlights of that now. Well, I think Aston Villa sells itself. Uh, an iconic football club uh, that I know pretty well from the outside um, and I'm very much excited to get involved inside and um, start building relationships, get on the training pitch and get started. The excitement levels are really, really high. Uh, I'm very hungry and very ambitious and um, the start can't come quick enough. It was crazy and it was very quick. Um, I was first aware of Aston Villa's interest on the Wednesday. I had a call off me representation and then from there, it happened really, really quick. I mean, credit to, to Aston Villa, the speed that they got things done. Uh, not just me, my, my staff that I'm bringing with me as well. And I also must pay my respect to, uh, to Rangers as well, who were, who were very professional in the deals as well. But yeah, it's very crazy, very quick. Um, but when you're in that situation, that's what you want to happen. The last thing you want is for it to drag out because you want to get in as quick as you can and, and start working as fast as you can. Well, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of elite uh, managers a lot of world-class managers, but I think it's very important for me to be myself and put my own stamp on things. Um, but what I will say and what I am guilty of is um, taking things and learning a lot from all the managers that I've worked with, but not just the ones I've worked with from a close point of view, managers around the game. Um, and, and I must take this opportunity to, to mention Dean Smith because he's someone who I've got a lot of admiration for, a lot of respect for. You know, obviously I can't control how things happen or what's gone on before me, but I think the success he's had here at the club and the respect he's gained, and I also appreciate the, the local man and the connection, you know, it's going to be a, a tough act to follow, and I certainly respect that. I like a challenge, uh, I like a risk, and it's something that I'm really looking forward to getting into. I think this club will suit me um, because I know the fans are very passionate. I know there's a demand and a pressure here to win. That's something that I've lived with since I was 17, 18 years of age. So. Um, for me, it's about making everyone come together and be unified. And um, I believe we can do exciting things together. I have to respect that the leagues are very different uh, in, in terms of the level, but I've learned an awful lot in the past three and a half years. Uh, I've lived under that pressure and that demand to win every, every single week and to compete. There was a big building job to be done there and um, I can walk away with my me, me head held high for sure. But I think going into uh, another league, Different teams, different cultures, different challenges. That's something that we'll adapt to pretty quickly. The good thing is I've, I've played many years in the league, so I know the level, I know the players, I know the styles, and um, I've got a real experienced group of coaches as well to, to be there who are a real rock to me. And um, we're also going to use some existing staff, so I'm really looking forward to building relationships for them to bring their skill sets. I think it's really, really exciting and I can't wait to get going. You know, coming to Villa, competing against Villa for many, many years, I know the size of the club, I know the standards that are already here. I know many of the players, I played with England with a lot of the players, I played with Ashley Young, who um, 
I spoke to uh, this morning. Uh, I know Danny Ings uh, very well from his time at Liverpool when I was a coach. So I've done a lot of uh, homework and education around the club, but having Gary as my assistant, of course, um, he spoke very highly of not just the club and the size and the history and the tradition, but the people. You know, the people are very supportive, they're very welcoming. And, um, you know, as I say, the club sells itself, but having someone like Gary with that education and that experience has been valuable. I obviously want to be as entertaining and attractive on the eye as we possibly can be, but one thing uh, I'd like to instill and, and, and improve on is the structure of the team from a defensive point of view, out of possession, our distances, our shape, and um, what we do to regain the ball, that's very important to me. And um, I've obviously been very lucky over the years when I've been a player to, to take some of that stuff off some world-class managers. I've been excited um, since Wednesday. Me and my stomach's been turning over, doing somersaults. The excitement levels are, are very high. That's the priority and the main thing that everyone should focus on now is the Brighton game. Um, as you say, we've got very little time to prepare in terms of having the full group. Thankfully, we've got some players on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday that we can you know, try and get a head start with and, and start getting some information over to them players. But Brighton will be a tough game. They're going well. They've got an exciting young manager and um, they're probably really satisfied where they are right now. Um, but it's a game that we'll go into and be aggressive and um, we'll be looking to take maximum points for sure. Yeah, he spoke to in-house media earlier on in the week and he'll be doing his press conference to the wider press on Thursday. I think it is, Greg. You'll, you'll be going to that, won't you? Yeah, I enjoyed watching his interview with the with the official club channels. I thought he spoke with, with passion, with... Um, you know, authority, and, and clearly he wants to take Villa in, in, in his direction. Um, I'm looking forward to speaking to him this week, you know, when, when he's officially unveiled to the press, that there'll be lots of questions that, that the media will want to ask him and will want to find out more um, about what he wants to do at Villa, what his plans are, how he plans to play. Um, you know, how, how soon was it really that he was contacted? Did he know about the interest of Villa? earlier than, than Dean Smith getting sacked. I mean, he ain't going to tell And just you that. all those little bits around the site. Well, he's going to get asked that question. If he doesn't tell it us, then then fair enough. If, you know, let, let's see what he answers, but he's going to get asked that. Um, and, you know, th- there was the there was that there was that clip doing the rounds about him um, saying that he was staying at Rangers, wasn't he, when he was linked with um, Newcastle and then he quickly moved to Villa. It'd be interesting to see how serious that Newcastle interest was um, and just, what he, just why he thought, um, you know, Villa... Villa was such a bigger job that he was able to quickly decide and move over. Yeah, it was a really good interview, Holly. I don't know, don't know whether you saw it, but you know, he spoke about there being no excuses because of the setup that there is at, at Aston Villa. I kind of like that straight away. You know, just saying whatever happens, it's on me. You know, there's a, I'm the person that you that you should look at because everything is geared up here to be a successful football club. Yeah, I think Gerard um, kind of has no excuse in terms of, you know, the high standards at Bodymore Heath and, and Aston Villa Club and, and the structure they have with, uh, within, the, within the club. So, um, like Greg, I'm excited to see what happens. I think um, Gerard has come in with a lot of conviction and, and shows he means business. And you can see that in every part of the kind of content that we've been seeing roll out on Aston Villa's social media channels uh, throughout the week. I thought it was really nice in the kind of first training video that you could see him talking individually with players and obviously just trying to get to know them and, and really kind of establish himself. And, and the fact that he's so invo- heavily involved within, in the training sessions as well, I don't know how long that will last, but 
it's just nice to see him and all of his coaching staff get straight in, you know, kind of trying to not let the international break affect them and, and have as many youth players as well in the uh, in the training, which was really nice to see as well. So I think it can only be a positive in terms of the fact that the international break allowed them a little extra time to 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 kind of chat to the players and and figure things out but you know only ultimately only time will tell as to how quickly the coaching staff settles and how kind of they all gel between each other and and with the players as well so I'm very jealous that Greg's going to the game on Saturday because I will be living vicariously through all of his tweets do you know what? I might not be Holly at this rate. If I, if this well, you might be there, Holly. You can don't tell. You hope, Greg, don't. you hope his cold gets worse. This is what you need. <laughs> no, I felt so bad when you were ill with COVID. Yeah, I can't be ill again. Come on. Let's I'm just... working on Saturday. There's no way they'd swap it. Oh, they might. <laughs> I was going to say, it's mad seeing Steve and Gerard in like Villa tracksuit. It's a bit like when John Terry came to Villa. It was crazy seeing him in, in all that Villa gear that he was playing. It's even more crazy seeing Stephen Gerrard as a manager in a Villa tracksuit, to be honest, because I remember Stephen Gerrard coming through as a youngster, Greg. That's horrible. Yeah, me too. It's scary, isn't it? Um, it's funny you should say that about seeing, uh, thinking it was strange seeing him in the tracksuit, because I actually thought exactly the same. It just it just didn't look right on him almost, did it? I it think the weird. fit was good. <laughs> Calvin Kappa's very up and down, as he is. I don't think he had the right fit on his trousers, for example. <laughs> It just didn't. It just didn't look right. There was something not normal about it. But maybe it's just because I'm just so used to seeing him in, um, you know, smart clothing as a Rangers manager. I didn't really see him much as, uh, in, as a coach, you know, training sort of thing. And you're just always used to him in a Liverpool shirt, aren't you? It's kind of could take some getting used to. But look, in a few weeks' time, it'll all look normal. I'm sure. Yeah, you did a piece on his on what's in his intray, Greg. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit for those that may not have read it? Yeah, I mean, he's got to stamp his own authority on this, you know. He'll be looking at things, thinking that there are various things that need to improve. But going back to the whole no excuses culture that he said, I think I think he also putting that on the players a little bit rather than rather than taking it on himself. I think what he's saying is, you players are all very, you've all cost a lot, you all learn a lot, um, you're all expected to do well. You've got all the tools available to you in every single department of Bodymore Heath. You've got an unbelievable facilities, um, a first-class gym, um, you know, every, everything around you, basically. You've got so many coaches now all giving you all little bits of advice that are going to help. It's now pretty much on you to go and deliver because you've, you've lost five games on the bounce, kind of let the manager down previously a little bit. Um, go out and deliver. We're giving you everything we can. It's, it's now over to you. Um, so I think it was a little bit like that, but what he'll probably look at first and foremost, I think he's tightening Villa up a little bit. I think, I know that sounds boring when you're a new manager, you, you want to come and entertain the supporters and, and give them something to cheer about. But I think if he can just make them a little bit tighter defensively and that, that, that will start from the, you know, from the top, it's not just the defence, um, then Villa will have a platform they can go and express themselves in later games or in moments where they where they get the chance to attack. I just think they've conceded so many goals this season. That needs to be the area of focus first and foremost. And I think he'll look at that. Um, and then it will be more about trying to get the best out of some of the individuals because you, you look at the likes of Bailey and Buendia, Watkins, Ings when he's fit. That they, They're all uh, track Traore when he's fit as well. They're all game changers, but he's got to start finding the best in them because this season the majority of them haven't really done it I think that makes sense to work on the defence first you've got to build the solid foundation and give yourself a platform before you can do anything with the attack and Villa carry on shipping goals at the rate they are 
it's going to be it's going to be a struggle. So I think I think that's right. I think he's he's absolutely got to got to sort that out first. What I liked Holly about the interview was he referenced Dean Smith quite heavily a couple, a, a couple of times. You know, talked about his respect and the job that he's done and the the tough act that he's got to follow. I, th- I thought that was a, a classy touch. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, definitely. I think Stephen Gerrard would be aware of kind of the love and admiration Villa fans had for Dean Smith, and a lot of fans were very surprised to see Dean Smith go at the start of the international break and not at least have Brighton and potentially the Crystal Palace game as well to to make amends to the to the run of losses. So I think it's nice that he's kind of admired Dean Smith and the work he's done and, and is keen to kind of not necessarily wipe that, but build on, on what Dean Smith was trying to do this season with Villa. And, and he just seems very switched on in terms of knowing about the club already. I think if you're a new manager coming into a, into a new club, you might not even know about, you know, the previous manager and what they were looking to do. But, you know, Gerard seemed very clued up and, and very kind of interested in, in Villa's recent run. And and I'm just excited to see how he kind of tries to integrate the previous things Dean Smith was working on and, and you know, what things he doesn't keep. Um, you know, I don't think he'll keep the formation of a back three. But, you know, I think the kind of ethos that Dean Smith set within the club is something that Steven Gerrard has admired a lot and, and it'll be something that they'll need to kind of utilise in, in getting back to a, a good run of form because it's it, before the international break, it was not a kind of, it didn't seem like the most exciting atmosphere to be to be within at Villa Park. So um, onwards and upwards, hopefully. Yeah, Dean, of course, has since gone on to become Norwich manager with Craig Shakespeare as his assistant. So we wish them to all the best at Norwich, except when they play Aston Villa Football Club. Greg, I wanted to ask you something. I saw the fans talking about this yesterday on, on social media and found it quite interesting. Yeah, Dean Smith had changed it so that the players were coming in as the beginning training at midday. Do you think Gerard will, will stick with that? Is that Because that's not a normal thing, is it? That's not what other clubs would do. Is Gerard likely to come in and, and change that? I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of the things that he will, will look at. I mean, it's not... I think highlighting the, the training starting time is... Um, I mean, there's, there's so many things that Dean Smith did and changed. It was just a managerial style. All he was trying to do when he was manager at Villa was get the best out of his players. You know, he quickly realised when Jack Grealish... Uh, he quickly realised that Jack Grealish wasn't a morning person, for example. Um, and, you know, Jack, Jack used to turn up at 10.29 every day. And for for a ten thirty start, and nobody would bat an eyelid at it because he would always be the well, he'd most likely be the last one to leave. So all Dean Smith was doing was trying to get the best out of his players. He thought that giving them um, extra recovery time in the morning, which is so important in football now, recover it. You know, we talk about training, 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 getting the most out of players. Yeah, you got to work hard on the training pitch. Yeah, you got to be out there to improve. But you've also got to recover. You know, you speak to the sports scientists now, and they and they t- they tell you about how important recovery is. So he was just trying to build a happy camp, um, trying to you know cater to the players almost, give them all the again, give them all the tools that they need to then go and perform well on a weekend. Um, perhaps now you know I, I don't know this for sure. I'd need to speak to more people about it. Perhaps it got a little bit too comfortable for the players at the end. When you have a manager who's been in charge for quite a longer time, like like Dean Smith had, players get used to um, you know the, the methods, the the way the way that um, a certain individual reacts around um, certain events, and sometimes you just need a fresh voice to come in and give you new ideas, new methods, and shake things up a little bit. You know, 
the players maybe, as I say, were, were just a, maybe a little bit too comfortable. What they would get now with a new manager and Steven Gerrard in particular, is somebody who's really going to fire them up and they're going to know that they really have to perform for this new guy now. Yeah, sometimes a fresh voice can make all the difference. We've got some Gerrard-based subscriber questions now. So the first one's from Stuart M. Thanks to everyone who sent in a question, by the way. Who do you think will be the winners and losers on the playing staff with what appear to be the high working standards demanded by Gerrard and his team? So I'm going to let us all have one player here. So I'll come to you first, Hollow. One winner, one loser. Oh, sorry. I don't think we need losers. I think let's just do winners. I don't think you can speculate who would be a loser from early doors at the moment. After a few months, maybe you can. I don't know whether you can do that at the moment. But give us a winner, Holler, and don't take mine. Hopefully. Um, I think I'm hoping um, John McGinn will continue to to grow into even better of a midfield than what he already is. Um, you know, maybe he'll just come off the back of the Scotland international break really high because of the of how well he performed as well that backheel nutmegs to assist one of the goals was was a very good assist um so for me it has to be John McGinn and kind of getting control of that midfield area I know we said about you know they'll want to concede less goals and it's important to kind of control that midfield area when when applying kind of a high press as well so for me John McGinn very good Greg yeah this might take some people by surprise but some of the things I've been hearing this week, um, I actually think Ashley Young's going to benefit a lot from Steven Gerrard. Played together, didn't they? Yeah, I think he's going to be somebody who they might use in an attacking midfield position, almost as a in, in, a, in a two behind the striker. I think we might start to see that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think he's now in direct competition with Brendan for one of those Do spots. That's a, that think, feels a wild yeah, shout, Greg. I, I love it, but that feels like a wild well, shout. Well, let, let, look, let's see. You know, I might, I might be, I might be off it. I might be a little bit off it here. But some of the some of the whispers I've been hearing this um, this week. But but we'll see. We'll see how the um, the next few weeks pan out. But I think we might see Ashley Young in a more of a tacky role. But I might be miles off it. And if I am, then <laughs> you can all yeah. shout. Blame at me. the cold. I think the Cash family <laughs> feeding you duff information, Greg. The cash they're trying to get Ashley Young away from being a fullback in competition with the son. And they're, they're feeding you duff information to come and sound the podcast. That's what I think. <laughs> do you know what? On, on a serious note, he, yeah, Cash might be somebody who benefits from that as well. If they do play if they do play in a similar way to... Yeah, the fullbacks. Did, yeah. The way Tavernier and Barisic used to get forward and, and, and get lots of you know goals and, and assists, I think Cash could, could benefit from that too. I'm going to go for Jacob Ramsey. He's already having a decent season. I think I saw that Gerard was commenting on like Instagram posts when he when he got man of the match for England. Villa posted that Ramsey got man of the match for under twenty ones, and I think Gerard posted the old eyes emoji. So he's what he's what I think so. I saw that somewhere again. I may have completely made that up, so disregard that completely if it's wrong. But I do think Jacob Ramsey, you know, is a young midfielder who better to learn off than. Than, than Steven Gerrard I think that's going to be an amazing thing for him and he's having a decent season already already made progress from where he was this time last year so I think he could end up being a winner Louis F can we expect any surprising team selections on Saturday or will Gerrard stick to the tried and trusted players now we already know Ashley Young is coming in and playing as a floating number 10 <laughs> anything this is going to go back this is going any, to backfire on me isn't it anything else Greg I've, I've heard murmurs of concert <laughs> playing up front <laughs> Oh dear. Um, no, look, I honestly don't know just because I haven't spoke to Gerard yet. So um, I'll have to try and gauge um, some mood when, when I speak to him later in the week. But I don't know at this moment yeah. in time. Some of the players That's aren't true. even back from international duty. So it's too too early to really... Um, it could be Gerard and McAllister in central midfield. Who knows? 
Richard N. A lot to talk about January targets for Gerard, but not much noise about the youth already at the club. He's bringing through the likes of Chuck Wameka et al. Still part of the club's plan. Well, I think what Villa are trying to do, the reason they've bought so many, you know, 15, 16 year olds in, in recent years, and the fact that they've, uh, you know, Chuck Wameka's been there for years, so he's part of a different batch, but Villa Jean Bidace came um, as a 16 year old, I think. So there, there were a couple of players that were bought at that age. Um, but it was mainly to help Villa become more self sustainable, you know, in the future. The fact that if, if they can get a couple of these players into the first team in, in a way that Jacob Ramsey has, um, that will save Villa money in the transfer window. They won't have to buy, um, you know, players for the the match day twenty as it is now. But what you'll find, I think, is a lot of those players that are coming through the the twenty threes and the other development teams at the moment, they'll just be sold on for a couple of million pound, and it will just help the business tick over. I think that's how it's going to work. You know, Villa saw a gap in the market, especially in the Midlands where they thought they could get young players in, you know, hopefully promote some into the first team, but then sell some on at a value like Chelsea do. Is there a chance that, like, Kane Kessler could come back in, in January, maybe, if Gerard likes to look at some of the younger players? Could they call, could they call them back in January? Because, you know, Cash is pretty much the only designated right back now. Ashley Young's playing number 10. Could they look to get Kessler back as well? Yeah, I believe there's there's uh, there's, there's recalls um, in, in the majority of their contracts. So I think, I think the... Uh, the agreements when the majority of players go out on loan is that they can break it off at, at the at the winter transfer window. I mean, it's usually put in in case they're not playing really. It's just to protect them so that they're not at a club, um, you know, just sitting on the bench for ages and, and not getting any minutes. Where you know, but but Villa will be looking at it, and I think they want these players to continue playing because that's what's better for their development. That's what's going to help them increase in value, and I think the players will like it too. Yeah, there'll be some. You know, Louis Barry will be coming back. I'm, I'm almost sure of that, just because he can't even get in the the squad at Ipswich. But for Kessler, he's playing every single week, uh, and I, I just think that you know perhaps a Championship club might come in for him, and, and that would be seen as a better move. But I think coming back to Villa to sit on the bench doesn't really benefit him. Paul W wants to know, Holly, will Gerard be fully suited and booted on the touchline on Saturday, or will it be the tracky boots and boots? I think this was my favourite question when I had a look this morning. Um, I think he's got to be fully suited and booed, hasn't he? You know, first game at Villa Park, you know, he already carries himself very well um, with Rangers. So I expect, you know, a kind of like fleece, I don't even know what guys call them, but some fleece type jacket and a suit and and all the shebang. So uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot of hair gelling on Saturday. Good head of hair still, Stephen Gerald. I've had a lot of people very say good that head to him in, in recent days. I will say Luke Roper will be desperate to get in touch with Stephen Gerrard because they were dressing Dean Smith. I know they're looking looking to get some gear to Stevie G already. So if anyone can help with that, please make it so. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We've got some more questions now, and we've also got a top three this week as well. Greg, this one from Chris M. Much has been made of the Gerard Perslow dynamic, but not so much on the Stephen Gerard Langer one. Fresh off a hundred million of Grealish spend, what does this mean for those Langer buyers that Gerard doesn't want to use? Could there be a possible bomb squad 2.0? And what of January targets? Who is likely to have the final say? I guess the, the narrative will be we're going to be linked with a few Rangers players in January straight off the bat. Yeah, so it's my understanding that that Gerard will have a little bit more of a say in terms of who comes in in the future. Um, and, and I say that I mean more than more than Smith had. Look, how it worked previously was obviously the the um, the first the first summer back into the Premier League. It was a case of Villa needed to you know restructure and reshape the squad, didn't they? They needed to lower the age of the squad first and foremost, and they needed to pack the squad with numbers. So. They identified between them, it was at the time, it was Christian Perslow, Suzo and, and, and Dean Smith. They identified the areas that needed to be addressed. Suzo would then go and, and uh, work with his team of scouts and you know contacts and agents and, and put together almost a shortlist for each position. And then that shortlist would then be presented to, to Smith and he would have to almost pick who he thought was the best striker, so to speak. So if there was four strikers on there, they decided that Wesley was the best of those four. Um, just for an example. I wouldn't have lied to us in that list. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that at the time. <laughs> um, as Well, no, not at the time. We didn't know what Wesley was going to do, did we? But, you know, I was thinking more that after six to 12 months when it, when it didn't really work out for Wesley. But... Yeah, that was by the by. Last season, a little bit more different because Johan Langer came in and Villa moved to more of a a data-led approach. So, you know, they, they spent so much time on, on Baylor, you know, that they'd done a lot of research on him. There were a lot of other options, you know, some really high-class wingers that, that were put to Villa and uh, Villa turned them down purely because they 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 put all their eggs in the Bailey basket and, um, you know, we're, we're desperate to get him on board. So, uh how it will work in the future, I think, will be in a similar approach. You know, there'll, there'll be there'll be targets, potential targets lined up already. There are a couple of positions that that Villa are actively looking um, to strengthen in in either the next window or the summer window. I'll be writing a story next week explaining a little bit more of that. Um, you know, the, the areas that they're targeting. So I'll, I'll save that information until then. Um, I believe that Gerard will be given a little bit more freedom to to maybe select. Some some targets as well. Um, Glenn Kamara at at uh, at Rangers would be an obvious one. You know, Villa will Villa will look at the midfield area in the next two windows. And Gerard obviously knows Kamara well, so he could be somebody that that comes onto the the shortlist, so to speak. But when it comes to actually picking, you know, the target, it will be a collective. Still, it will be Langer and his team of data experts explaining why player A and player B are better than player C and then it will be a collective decision between the group you know Perslow, Gerard, Langer. Interesting I suppose to an extent you know Smith did have a bit of a say because you'd think Conser and Watkins for example they're clearly Smith boys well. Oh no he did 
course, course, course. No, of course he did. I didn't mean to diminish his role in, in the recruitment because it certainly wasn't that. Um, it was just a case of not every player that Villa signed was specifically his mm. top choice to start yeah. with, if you know what I mean. It was more of a, um, a team uh, decision. And look, that's, that's why you have a head coach, isn't it? Yeah. The head coach is to get the best out of the players. Let's move on to some Twitter questions now then, Holly. JP Trubb at BaseUK2000. I'm not sure about this question. I don't know if we've heard something that we haven't. What are the chances of Dino taking Wendia back to Carrow Road on loan in January? I mean, I think the Norwich fans would quite like that, Holly. I'm not, I'm not convinced Villa are going to spend £35 million on someone and then send them back. Yeah, I don't see that happening in the nicest way possible. I think, yes, Buendia hasn't had the most ideal start to his life at Aston Villa, but, you know, I think Gerald will try his best to integrate him into that forward three and, and utilise uh, his ability because he is, he is a good player. So maybe it, not, it might not be straight off the bat, but, you know, Buendia could also be a really good uh, impact substitution. He brings a lot of energy to the side in general. So I don't see Villa allowing Buendia to... To, to head over to Norwich anytime soon. Well, I also seen a, a report yesterday. You know, it's quite funny, isn't it, when managers move and they get linked with former players. There was a link. There was a report saying that that, that Smith would look to take Hurahan back to um, over to Norwich. I mean, I can't see that happening. Can you, Dan? Well, he's having a great time at Sheffield United at, at the moment. I think I think he's, they might look at his. He might look at his loan in January to be fair and, and look to cut that short because he isn't going great at Sheffield United. I did something with Norwich fans the other day actually, and they like him because he always scores against them. He scored so many goals against Norwich. I think they quite like to have him in in, in their team because you know he, t- he turns into a world class finisher when he when he plays against Norwich, doesn't he? Now Jack Miller tried to ruin our last section by asking us about the top three managerial debuts, but he did ask another question as well to you, Greg. Have you heard whether this appointment will have a positive effect on Carney signing a new deal? Um, oh, I think the, I think the Carney situation is is the same as when we addressed it um, a couple of weeks ago. He's a player that obviously wants to play, like like many others uh, in that team, um, and I think pretty much the same as as any other player. If he's not playing, then sorry, let me rephrase that. If he's not playing minutes for Villa, and there are other clubs out there willing to sign him, and he's aware of those interests, then he won't sign an, an extension at Villa because he's not getting game time. But that's the kind of the same for a lot of players, you know. It's like saying now, would will Morgan Sanson sign an extension? Of course, he won't. Do you not play, and it, and it's the same with many other players. They're waiting to see what the what the pathway is for them. I think Gerard would be good for Carney. I think it'd be good for Jacob Ramsey, as you say. I think it'd be good for the the midfield in general. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what his approach is with him. How how highly he rates him. We we you know we hear a lot about Carney. Um, is it all just hype? Is he actually as good as people say? You know, what we'll have to see because we haven't seen much of him. Um, in a first team yet? No, but interesting to say if he chucks in Chukwemeka, won't it, Greg? A oh, nice, you liked that. That's good. Holly smiley, she enjoyed it. Not having she that. She enjoyed one. it. Not I'm smiling it. through the pain. Yeah, fine. At least I don't. At least I don't <laughs> celebrate opposition goals, Holly. <laughs> Let's finish then. Come on, that's getting nasty. Let's finish then with the top three managerial debuts. Now, Holly, you were saying. Not been many good managerial debuts in your time. You're a lot younger than than me, and a lot younger than Greg as well. Give us one. Ah, uh, maybe it might still be post Dean Smith Blues, but I have to go with with Dean Smith and and the one 0 win over Swansea. I don't I don't like any of the manager the four managers pre 
pre-Dean Smith era. So I can't pick any of the managerial debuts, no matter how good or bad those matches were. They have been permanently erased from my mind. Um, I so I have to go with Dean Smith. You don't yeah. find a good one in that bunch, I think. I don't remember too many too many wins. So you hate them though. Holly Holly the hater. <laughs> Hating the managers before Dean Smith. I gotta say I went I picked three in my head and Dean Smith was in mine and I've been going a very, very long time. There hasn't been a load of, of great managerial debuts. Greg, have you got one? No, to be honest, I haven't. I mean, I, I can only really go on my time covering the club. I think McLeish, did he draw nil-nil away? The worst the game, game of football I think I've ever been to. Though. Yeah, terrible. And But then they won the next game, right? Yes, at home. Blackburn, yeah. Black, Blackburn, yeah. was it? Yeah. So, you know, that was a relatively good start in terms of points through points gained, but that's the level we're uh, competing at, unfortunately. No, there really aren't. I mean, it's Smith, isn't it, really, with his 1-0 win over Swansea? Luckily, I could complete the top three. I've got two more. I'm surprised you didn't pick this one one of these. Gerard Julia won two one at Wolves on his on his first game for Villa Hesca last minute. That's a decent uh, start. Yes. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's one. a that's a good start. And then the third one, the best one for me, John Gregory in nineteen ninety eight, beat Liverpool two one in his first game, Stan Collymore scoring twice. Came back from one nil down on a bad run at the time. That's a that's a good debut of full Villa Park, two one against Liverpool. That's a good. That's debut. a pretty. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, maybe. I mean, look, I, I wasn't there, so no. you know, it was. I'm going on me yeah, covering yeah, the club, so that's fine. I maybe was we'll one out. years old. If that makes you feel any better, <laughs> that's horrendous. Because I was twelve. Yeah, I was nine or eight. <laughs> one year old, and John Gregory has been a manager. It feels like yesterday as well. Really does feel like yesterday. John Gregory sitting in the dugout for Villa. I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow, Greg. We are both going to Villa Park tomorrow for the Punjabi Villains event. It should be really, really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I just hope that I'm in good health um, <laughs> and this cold goes away. But yeah, if there are any Villa fans out there that are, that are also attending, come and, come and say hello. Um, I might be there with a couple of season ticket holders and, and obviously Dan himself. So yeah, come and say hello and we'll, we'll have a beer, hopefully. Yeah, looking forward to some purity at Villa Park. Also really, really looking forward to Saturday as well. Villa Park's going to be buzzing for Steven Gerrard's bow, so let's hope we are talking about three points on this podcast next Wednesday. Holly, are you here next Wednesday? That's usually a good indication of whether we will be or not. <laughs> I, I Probably in a sad way, yes, I am. Yeah, well, <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it on Saturday. I've got a good feeling Villa Park's going to be going to be pumped on Saturday. It's going to be an excellent atmosphere. Villa, Villa are not going to lose six games in a row, surely. After I said that, after the five, surely not going to lose six in a row. Steven Gerrard's going to add to that list of managerial debuts that we just spoke about. So that's it for today. Thanks for all the questions that were sent in. And of course, thank you for listening as well. And thank you to Greg, Cash and Holly for their valuable contributions as always. Until then, and I really mean it this time, up the villa. Athletic.